0: It's time for another edition of Family Life Today, presented by Power to Change, known in America as Family Life. Welcome. We trust you'll find today's program interesting and hope it will be a great encouragement to you and your own family situation. So let's join our presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson.
1: So I feel like I'm sitting in the studio with two of the best conversationalists in one room.
2: Well, it's not me.
1: Oh, yes, it is. You are amazing. I marvel at how you draw out people anywhere, everywhere, walking down the sidewalk in our neighborhood, (laughs) in the airport.
2: Does it bug you?
1: Yes. (laughs) At times, I'm like, can we just, I mean, you're so good, and you ask so many great, great questions, people want to talk to you, and I just leave. (laughs) You're so funny. Heather Holloman is back with us. She wrote the book.
3: Oh, Heather. On How I to have a great conversation. You I have
2: been such a joy. I feel like we
1: could talk to you forever. Well,
3: I feel the same. See, we have a loving connection already. <laughs> we We do. have warmth. Well, We've increased our happiness. <laughs> let's
1: talk again about the six conversations, Pathways to Connecting in an Age of Isolation and Incivility. We are living in this. Of course, you know this. That's why you wrote it. And
2: you have your doctorate. You're working as a professor with students. So you see this every day. Yes. Is our culture
3: changing? Is this something that's more difficult now than it has been? I think it is more difficult now because I use the word incivility to talk about a particular cultural moment. You know, students worry about cancel culture. They worry about saying the wrong thing. Some researchers call it the outrage industry that we've addicted ourselves to controversy and anger and divisiveness. And so it's a real opportunity to figure out how to reconnect in loving ways. And when you do that, you actually have a greater chance for social change, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So it's just something I care about deeply is helping students feel a sense of belonging and connection. And right now there's a lot of fear of connecting in conversation because of the cultural moment.
1: Yeah, I feel that. That's what I wanted to ask yes. you. The incivility is real. Yes, oh. Yeah. So sometimes you just resist entering a conversation. Right. I feel
2: like I'm always going to offend someone.
1: Right,
3: right. We're afraid of offending people. We're afraid of them judging us. And you're
1: just hoping the conversation doesn't go anywhere near
3: yes. these
1: controversial, <laughs> right. don't talk about vaccines right. or politics yes. or masks or... And I'm not talking just strangers. I'm talking about our own family members. Friends
3: and family. We've blocked people on Facebook. People are deleting accounts. They won't go home for holidays because their families voted differently or believe something different about about vaccines. We've also seen churches torn apart. And that is the saddest for me, I think, just the division happening. So I've learned through the process of researching this book really never to be afraid of a conversation again, because if you are curious, believe the best, express concern, and share your life, you really are in a great mindset to just listen to people, figure out why they believe what they believe, try to understand them, try to understand what they want, what they're passionate about, and also to get to the personal. Like a lot of times we talk about politics, but really maybe they have a child at home who's sick that they're worried about or maybe they're nervous about an upcoming decision. You can move it from the realm of, you know, heavier topics to something closer to home, and that can help form Why a warm so connection. Why is so important to you? I just deeply care about helping students belong, and probably because I grew up longing for connection and never figuring out how to make a connection with someone. And I would use all sorts of tactics, like flattery or, you know, I just wanted people to like me, and I didn't understand what a loving connection was. It's that, and it's that I know the research behind well-being, and also spiritual health. We need warm connections. God created us for that. And we really reflect him when we're in loving connection with other people.
2: I was going to say, we've been talking to you on prior episodes, and you are an evangelist.
3: I love talking about Jesus. You yes, it's do. my favorite thing. Yes, And
2: I feel like you create this pathway of the gospel that's so easy. And because you're not threatening, and the way you approach people is, it opens the door to hear about Jesus and your faith. And you're bold about it, but you're really
3: gracious. Well, part of it is when you approach someone and you have a loving connection with them already, because again, the mindset, you believe the best, you're curious, you express concern, and you're willing to share your life. The gospel presentation doesn't come off as like a sales pitch or like, it's just natural. You're just sharing your life and people are asking questions. I mean, I have a lot of friends in my life who are atheists or from a different religious position, and it's never hostile. It's always just rooted in curiosity. Let me share what Christians believe. And it's wonderful to see how God works in those moments and how people come to faith because they've had a loving conversation.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot I want to talk about. Your book is so practical. You used the word just a minute ago that I want to hear your thoughts on, listening.
3: Yes. Oh, I learned so much. No, I, mean, I, I think was a we, terrible listener. Yeah, I, really? I think we live mm-hmm. in a culture
1: that we don't listen well. You can't express concern to somebody no. if you haven't listened to their concerns. Because no. we're ready
3: with our retort right. of what we're going to say and next. And in
1: marriage, it's huge.
3: It's huge. We now don't
1: listen. So coach us up.
3: I will tell you, this was my favorite chapter to write because no one ever taught me what I'm listening for. Hmm. Mm. This is going to change your life. When someone is speaking to you, listen for what their core values are and say back to them what you're hearing. For example, I asked my neighbor who I did not have a warm connection with yet. He was walking his dog and I said, what are your plans for the weekend? And he said, well, I'm really upset because my son was supposed to come, but he changed the plan. And then I thought we were going to have these seats. But then this got messed up and he was going on and on about, all his plans changing. I looked at him and I said, it really sounds like you value order and your schedule and having the itinerary in place. He paused and looked at me and said, I do. I really do. <laughs> You're like a therapist. And then he said, walk with me. <laughs> Come on. He was ready to talk. And then I tried it again with a businesswoman that I really wanted to form a, a bond with. And we were acquaintances, but I thought, you know what? I want to connect with her more. And I asked her about her day, and she was talking about projects that she had completed where she didn't feel like she had done her best work. And I kept noticing she keeps talking about whether or not something's her best work. So I said to this woman, you know, it really sounds like you value excellence, and you don't know what to do if you feel like you've turned something in that isn't your best work. And she said, I do. said,
1: walk with I me. I really do.
3: <laughs> no, this is what she said will you come to my office next week talking to you is the best part of my week. She and did now not. we are dear friends. We have lunch every week.
1: You didn't say for 150 an hour, I'll do that? I mean, <laughs> No, it's,
3: it's core values. And And yeah. I've tried it with people who are in a hard situation, people who mm. are grieving, people who are in trauma situations. You know, in situations like that, I thought, okay, just listen. Mm. But what am I listening for? For what you really see people valuing. And when you put words to it, They feel so loved. They feel so seen.
2: I'm going through in my head of conversations in our home. Yeah. And to recognize the core value and empathize like, oh, "Oh, if I'm thinking that would change so much.
1: Oh, as a parent. Yeah. That's what I'm
2: saying. Let's say, for instance, as a husband, as a wife, I know. Come on. I'm sitting here thinking of. When I'm driving with Dave, he is complaining about all the drivers and <laughs> how, how, they're, are guys, going how, how here. they're driving wrong. Go and then, anywhere else It's here. value strategy. Well, that's what yeah. I was going to say. And I'm complaining that he's always complaining about everyone driving. And so instead of complaining, I should empathize and think, what's his core value? You yeah, should exactly. compliment me. And
3: you value positive communication. You don't like environments of complaining, it sounds like. Oh, no. Like, yeah, you don't like not it, when it happens right.
2: every day yeah. and every time you're in the car.
3: Yes. <laughs> but with children, I'll tell you, children, mm-hmm. they will light up because often they don't even have words to explain their own personality. So my daughter loves beautiful things. She loves clothes. She loves having her room so beautiful. And I told you the other day, you really love beauty. This is how God made you. You love things that look you know, wonderful, like she's probably going to be some kind of, you know, interior designer or something. So things like that.
1: So if we're not listening well. Right. Is it a selfish, arrogance, pride issue? Because if I'm talking all the time and I'm not really taking time to listen to you, I think I'm very selfish. It's like it's hard work to listen.
3: Well, it's a supreme act of love to give someone your full attention. And I did find a wonderful definition of arrogance that's in the (laughs) book. And it says says that arrogant people, they really believe that they don't need anything from other people. They don't Mm. believe other people can teach them anything. They walk around superior. And it it really is a, a disposition of the heart where you put yourself above other people. And what I love about the six conversations is when you're curious and have the disposition that you're going to value others above yourself. Think about the end of Philippians 2, Jesus taking on the nature of a servant. Mm -hmm. It really makes things so wonderful when you do that. And also, when you're listening for core values, you also have to be humble because someone's core value may be the opposite Mm -hmm. of what you value. So in my marriage, I value efficiency. My husband values slow deliberative thought processes. He will take two weeks to make a decision that I already made an hour ago. So he knows my core value. I know his core value. We have to figure out how to meet in the middle.
1: Wow. But what you were saying earlier, I was thinking, okay, in a conflict, could be a marital conflict. Right. Could be with your kids. could be any conflict. Listening is so important. And here's what happens, I think, uh, to your point of arrogance is I don't want to listen to what you're feeling or saying right now cuz I know better what you should be doing and thinking and I'm I'm going to slam that down on you like right. why are you isn't that arrogance? Yeah. It's like, man, conflicts could go so no. much further if we just shut up and listen to oh, start. No.
3: And that was me because I was a national debater
1: oh, and boy. won oh.
3: debates. Like I was at Harvard quarterfinals. What? Like went to camps, oh. Dartmouth, Michigan.
1: Oh,
2: you'd be when terrible we got to, to be married oh, wow. too. <laughs> you need Ash here.
3: You need to bring Ash on your program because we he, will. the We're number one thing he says in an argument is, "Okay, you're going to win this debate." <laughs> and it's going to be terrible for our marriage like I can win any argument <laughs> it's not good for our marriage i stop doing that occasionally he'll say you're doing it again like cuz i like you this, i see i already see the problems in your thinking and here's my 5 point rebuttal to why everything you're saying is wrong so now just understanding his core values and it kind of helps me, too, when I researched what the goal of conversation is. I was
2: going to say, let's get into yeah, those three fresh I'll,
3: goals for conversation. Because a lot of people think, okay, I'm at a party. I ask these questions. But then how do I end the conversation or what leads to the warm connection? And it's three things that are really profoundly biblical. In every conversation, you should be thinking, how can I encourage this person? How can I help them in their own personal growth goals? Like, How can I come alongside them, projects or goals? And the research shows if you can bring someone to a state of awe or marveling about something, it creates a warm connection and it makes you feel less lonely. So if you Mm. and I went outside and saw a beautiful bird together or like an alligator, because don't you guys have these here?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: If we together were like, can you believe we saw that? We would feel closer, less lonely, And it also increases creativity when you're in a state of awe. It's a whole different way of communicating than what we're used to in the culture now. And um, I love friends that are wanting to know, how do you want to grow this year? What projects are you working on? And then they express concern. It's called investment by them saying, how can we help you Mm. achieve your goals? What do you need? That's wonderful friendship. That's wonderful connection. The research study that came to my email on diseases of despair in the state of Pennsylvania So alcohol, suicide, they call it diseases of despair. They're linking that one of four key factors. The one was just lack of social connection. Mm. So having someone that knows what you're working on, what you're thinking about, that's going to help them in whatever they're struggling with.
2: So I'm imagining parents that have their teens in their bedrooms on their devices for hours and hours at a time, but their kids are struggling with depression.
3: Oh, yeah. The depression and anxiety, it's never been higher, in my opinion, at the college campus.
2: And so how would you encourage those parents, knowing what you just said, how could they pull them out of that situation? And you have girls that are 19 and 17? Yes.
3: So we do like our phones. I don't, I'm not a parent that makes them not have their phone because I also enjoy TikTok and social media. But one thing I tell my girls is just the research behind dopamine addictions with your phone. Like you have to detox from that because you're just getting a dopamine hit every time and, and your brain is really addicted to your phone. We all know this. So having times when you detox from it. So we walk every day together. And we don't have You our, walk
2: with your girl. I
3: walk with my girl every day. We call it taking loops. We try to do three miles a day in the afternoon or evening. So I love walking because you can do the awe walk yeah. with, you know, Marvel. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna enjoy the conversation so much that it it in itself will be a pleasurable experience, which is the dopamine reward.
1: Hmm.
2: So
3: they may find that they love the warm connection and will come out of their room a little more, come down to talk.
1: You taking walks with your daughters means a conversation doesn't happen unless there's time, lots of time, to slow down and focus. Whether it's on a walk or sitting at a dinner table, I mean, most families don't even have dinner together anymore. They're just running from one sports event and one school event. You have to decide we gotta we gotta pace our life in a way that we have time to have a conversation.
3: Well, even if it's 15 minutes, the benefits of a daily walk are indisputable and outstanding for mm-hmm. your health. My daughter does it for stress because Mm -hmm. it regulates cortisol, insulin. When you go on a walk, I mean, I think the research shows you it has to be about 20 minutes to get the effect. But you're really helping your body. And even if nobody's talking right away, your child will open up. If you are walking, just try it out. Go on a walk, and eventually someone's going to say something. And it's fun. I never pressure it, you know, but sometimes I'll say, you know, what have you been thinking about? Or with kids that are really stressed out, I'll say, is there a thought going through your mind that you just can't get rid of? They love that question mm. because so many kids are just spinning in anxiety and they want someone to listen.
1: I remember one of my favorite things when the boys were teenagers, again, they're married now with grandkids, but would be walking in their room, high school years, and saying, hey, tell me what you're listening to.
2: Yeah, yeah, music. And you would say, tell me why you love this so
1: yeah. much. What's great. Oh, and wow. Some of the music That's I hated, question. but it didn't matter. It's like, this isn't about me. Why Why do you like that? What's in there? That was, know, a, that was a sweet moment.
3: I heard a story of a youth pastor that came to faith because his grandma would walk into the room and get on the floor with him and listen to his Metallica albums with him. <laughs> this sweet Christian grandma would listen to all the heavy metal and say that, why do you love it? Mm. And he felt so loved and accepted by her.
2: Mm. I remember. So I love that.
3: I remember asking our boys, tell me what you've
2: been thinking about. Yeah,
3: that is so great. What have you been thinking about? That's such a good question, and I'm like, what do I think? You know, what? I do think about theology all day long. Mm. I think about how God's going to work something for my good. Oh, is that weird? Is that self-focused? It I'm shows like, me yeah, that you've I'm been like, in the Word a lot. Well, I'm like, this bad thing is happening. Like, for example, I have to fly home tonight and there's an ice storm. <laughs> I'm already anticipating. on am like, Lord, please, if I have to spend the night in Philadelphia, it is going to challenge my theology. You know, I really think about what <laughs> I believe logistics. about God. It's because it's not yeah. going to be efficient. That's what it is, because it is. other people are like, Heather, just enjoy the free hotel stay. Get the gift voucher. Go get yourself some Smashburger. <laughs> I'm like, but it is waste. You're absolutely right. It's, it's wasting time. Fly Travel is not fun for me because it is not efficient. My favorite thing is when the pilot says, we're going to arrive 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. before schedule. I'm like, yes. Okay, I, Dave, yeah. what, what do you I, think yeah, about What would you say? Oh, I, I don't want to talk about me. No, I wait, want wait. To, oh, come no. On. What, what do you about? think about? Is it strategy? You think about how things could be better?
1: Yeah, I do. This is That's a great it.
3: question. I I'm gonna do. ask my students this. What do you think about? In some what? ways,
1: I hate that my mind critiques things like this broadcast. You'll be like, like "What could we have done sermon, better?" Like that like that guitar solo, like the worship leader, like the sound, everything. I'm like, you know, analyzing. Like sometimes when I'm in worship as a participant, not playing in the band i got to just block it out and go, enjoy this moment. Yes. Don't critique how the that's acoustic a, guy's is yeah. playing his, his thing. Don't listen. Just worship God. So maybe that's it. I don't know.
3: Well, if someone said to you, Dave, what did you think of that worship set? How would you have done it better? Would that feel like a loving question to you? Because then you could oh, share. Yeah. He would yeah.
2: love that. Yeah. Because he always he knows the answer.
3: I'm going to remember this. Yeah. Like, afterwards, I'm going to be like, Dave. What do you think of that interview? What could we have done better? And you'll be like, oh, walk with me. <laughs> and, and I
1: actually like it when people come up to me and go, here's a thought on how this interview, oh, this thing do. could have been better. I don't, I'm not like defensive. Yeah, I'm we both like, oh, like, great. Help me. If yeah. you saw so you something, like that sermon, whatever, I got to preach this three times today. Make the next two better. Yeah, people than the first will laugh one.
2: because like our church was doing three services and one thing. And so I would listen to the first one from home and I would send them a text. Like, hey, if you said it like this or you added this, and Dave loved that. So he oh, would was, come up on his iPad so as he's speaking. Hey, like, I want to I want I love that. This.
1: Okay. Because one of That's the things so I, I, I drew out of your book when you said uh, Fresh Goals Conversation, mutually encourage, aid personal growth, and to marvel. My first thought when you said to marvel was as we have conversations with people and we ask questions and we listen well, we're going to marvel at them.
2: Oh, that's which, what I thought. Which knew. is
1: both because you yeah. get into Marvel together. But yeah. there's a there's a point where you're like, like when you were just talking about the way your brain works, I was like, wow, look that what God is, has done. I went. Oh. So I thought <laughs> I thought when you have a great conversation with somebody, and it's not about you. It's really about I want to consider their interest more important than my own. Yeah. At some point you, you go like you look at your wife and you go, she's amazing. Yeah. How did
3: God made her so. And awesome. I've forgotten
1: that. But I saw it again because I asked and I listened. That could really enhance a marriage. And
2: I feel like, too, with our kids, I feel like that piece for me, there was a point when our kids were younger that I wanted to mold them into who I wanted them to be. I would have never said that. Yeah. But really, I had dreams and expectations of who they would become. And when I stopped that and I started seeing and marveling of who God already created That's them to so be good. and what he had put in them, it was like a worship, not of them, but of God, like, look what you've done. And I think I we started believing and seeing and pointing out and marveling at these magnificent beings that God let us parent. Well, here, yeah. here's a concept. That's that good. That
1: That we learned early in our marriage, way back from a guy named Gary Smalley.
3: Love Gary Smalley. Now his
1: son, Greg, is doing marriage stuff, but Gary taught on honor and the Hebrew word, honor your mother and father. The word literally means to bend the knee. And his Mm. point was, when do you bend knees? In some cultures, you bend the knee when you're in the presence of somebody extremely valuable. He goes, Mm. that's what honor is. When you're with your wife, when you're with your kids, when you're with a total stranger. When you honor them, you're saying, I'm in the presence of someone extremely valuable. Yeah. We call a judge the honorable judge.
3: That's right. Because they
1: have a position. You don't have to like somebody or even love Mm. them. You honor who they are creating in the image of God. The
3: image bearer. So that's That's what a
1: conversation could say to somebody. I'm in the presence of somebody extremely valuable. If they
3: felt that every time they're around us. I
2: know. Heather, you have been such a treat and joy. So fun. So fun. Thank you for
3: being with us. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me
0: The kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact marriages in your community? Consider hosting A Day Together, a one-day marriage conference that focuses on developing oneness in marriage. We have trained speakers that will come to you to present humorous but biblically sound messages of hope. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website at families.powertochange.org.au under the Conferences tab. We hope you can join us again on Monday right here for another Family Life Today.